It's that time again. It's Greek for the week. I'm Chris Palmer. Let's open our Bibles and get right down to the original language, the Greek. God bless you. It's the Greek for the week broadcast, podcast, whatever cast you want to call it. It's Greek for the week. And we're so glad that you're tuned in today. And uh, we're going to be finishing up our Greek for the week series uh, on the seven churches. And I hope you've been enjoying it, that it's been a blessing to your life. It's been a sample of the Seven Churches book that has just come out with Whitaker House. It's available on Amazon.com. Now, I hope you're enjoying it, and I hope it's been a blessing to you. If you could, if you're enjoying it, if you could, it really helps us a lot. If you go onto Amazon, if you take just a few minutes, you go onto Amazon, and you give it a five-star review, and you say what you thought of the book. That really helps us. That helps other potential readers that want to that want to be a part of the book. So, If you could, just log on to Amazon.com or go on your app, Letters from Jesus, Chris Palmer, five-star review if you really have good conscience in doing it, and it really helps us. Okay, let's get to our final church, the Church of Laodicea. Now, this is the church that everybody knows about because we quote from it all the time when we're talking about Christianity and being effective for the kingdom and not being... Lukewarm. When we talk about, hey, we're going to give it all for Jesus. Let's let's clear up a little misunderstanding about this verse here, and let's read first it in the English, and then we'll look at it a little bit in the Greek, and we'll see what we can come up with. It says in verse number fourteen, Revelation chapter three, and to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm. And neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I'm rich, I've prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and self to note your eyes, so that you may see those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. To the one who conquers, I'll grant with him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down on my father's, with my father on his throne. He who, has let him hear, ear, he who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Okay, there's a lot in here. It's a, it's a very long, it's a long address to the church of, of Laodicea. And let's jump down to verse number 15. We're... we're we commonly we commonly know. He says, I know your works, and there's the Greek word there, oida, which means I have an intimate knowledge, I've observed you. He tells this to all the churches, and in particular, he's saying, I'm very familiar with your works, what you've been doing in your church. I've been watching you, and I have a very close, intimate knowledge of this. And he says, you're neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. Now, here in verse number 15, we're confronted by the Greek words for hot and cold, is zestos, which is hot, and then, of course, sucros, which is cold. And he says here, I would rather that you were either cold or hot. And now some people interpret this to say that, well, you know, is hot is on fire for Jesus, and cold means just have a complete disinterest or turned off by God. And God is maybe saying it's better for us to to be a in the world and not even part of Christ than, than to be a half-hearted servant of Christ. I don't, that's not what it's mean there. And I'd have a really hard time to believe that's what God was actually trying to say, is that if you're going to do it 50%, you might as well just go, you might as well just do it no percent. And there's so many problems that I have with that. Um, I think you'd get yourself into a lot less trouble 
um, being 50% a Christian than 0% a Christian, at least at times you'd make the right choices versus never making the right choice. It just is not a consistent flow of thought. I think there's a better way of translating it here. And he says here uh, that you are you are lukewarm or uh, chilaros in the Greek. Now, this to understand this passage, it's helpful to know the historical context that's going on at the time. And when you look at the map and you find out where Laodicea is at, you'll notice that it is next to two neighboring towns, Colossus, which we have a letter to Colossus, and also to another city that was in Ephesus, or, uh, in uh, Turkey at the time, or Asia Minor, and that is Heropolis. Now, Colossus had its own water supply. Colossus had a supply of cold water. And people were known to go to Colossus. They had fresh, cold water that was sweet to drink, and it was uh, refreshing. And Heropolis had hot springs. And in the hot springs in Heropolis, they were, though you know, maybe uh, not as wonderful as cold water. You could at least use the hot springs for medicinal purposes. You could sit there. I mean, if you've ever had a hot tub or you've gone and had a hot bath or a hot shower, I mean, you know that it can provide great relief after a long day, right? Or especially you've had a long day. You come home, you take a shower. It's just you understand the medicinal purposes of hot water. But the problem with the Laodiceans is that they didn't have any water of their own. And they had to have aqueducts, and they had to bring in water, we say pipe in water, from, okay, Colossus. And they had to pipe in water from Heropolis. Now, you bring in the water from Heropolis that's hot. By the time it gets to Laodicea, what is it? It's room temperature. It's tepid. You bring in the water from uh, uh, Colossus that's cold. By the time it goes through the aqueduct and it gets to Laodicea, that cold water is lukewarm again. And you can't use lukewarm water for anything because by the time it's no longer hot, you can't use it for medicinal purposes. I mean, you ever get into a hot tub that's lukewarm? You're ready to get out of it. 70, 80 degrees, you're like, hey, man, this is, I might as well not be in this water. It's doing nothing for me. Uh, and, And you ever drink water that's just been sitting out for a while? It doesn't taste good. It doesn't refresh. It doesn't quench. So what God is saying here is that when you're lukewarm, you're not effective. And he's telling them, cold, hot, at least it's effective. Now, don't read into that as in cold being bad and hot being good. It doesn't. It has nothing to do with that. It has just the element, the, the figure of speech has to do with being effective or extreme. And I say being extreme for the kingdom, that if you want to be effective for the kingdom, you have to be all out. You have to give your life to serve Jesus 100% of you all the time after the Lord. Give all, the, the, the scripture tells us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all of our strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. So this is, this is Jesus restating that using cultural context from Laodicea to let them know that you're like your water supply, and that's not good. And the reason they were like that isn't very hard to figure out. That's just a few verses down here. Verse number seven. For you say, I'm rich, I've prospered, I need nothing, not realizing you're rich, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. And there's the problem right there. If we go down to verse number 17, it says, Hotileis, oti, plusios, emikai, pep, luteka. He's saying, that's in the Greek. Will you say that uh, I am rich and I have prospered? And kaioden, kriane, echo, I don't have need of anything. I don't need nothing. And and that is that is so that is it's scary. 
rich, prosperous. And that's what happens to a lot of times when believers, they get prosperous. And they begin to think, well, what do I need to pray for? I'm rich. I have money to answer the problem. Why do I need to? They get comfortable. And let's just be honest, okay, in times of prosperity, you become comfortable and it's easy to forget about the Lord. Rich people, if you're rich and you're listening to this podcast, maybe you're not like this. I hope you're not. Praise God if you're not. This doesn't automatically mean because you're rich you're going to be like this, but I think it's telling you here that there's a temptation to be like this, and it often happens is that when you're prosperous, you say, I'm prosperous, I, have, I don't need anything. You don't go to church. It's easy not to go to church. It's easy to, to think that you're spiritually superior to other people, maybe even sometimes the pastor. I mean, you've made all this money, and now you know better. I mean, if you if you didn't know better, then why are you prosperous? prosperous, then they're not prosperous. Well, remind you what Ecclesiastes has to say in uh, chapter chapter 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 11. It's very important to see this because money is not always a mark that you're doing something right. It says, again, I saw under the sun the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. Ecclesiastes is telling us here that sometimes in many cases, wealth has not to do with your education or the chances you're given at life. It just has to do with being at the right place at the right time. Just time and chance. Not God. And now, in some cases, it is God, but in some cases, it's not. And God was telling, and Jesus was telling the, the, the Laodiceans here, this has nothing to do with me. You've forgotten about me. Maybe they thought they were better than the other churches. You know, that happens all the time. People think, churches think they're better than other churches because they're the, the prosperous church in town, they got it going on in town, and that isn't the case. And then he tells them here that they should clothe themselves uh, so that you may, I counsel you by gold, refined by fire, so that you may be rich in white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to note your eyes that you might see. Now he's telling them here, he's telling them you need to get... Um, you need to clothe yourself with white garments. Now, that's really important because at the time, the Laodiceans, they were the supplier of black wool, which was like the Gucci. It was like the Louis Vuitton. It was the best clothes at the time. And Jesus was telling them, forget the black garments. Forget the black wool. You need white garments. That represents righteousness. And then he tells them, forget, and, and at the time, also, the Laodiceans, they had on their, they, they were uh, very, had medically, they had an eye ointment down there in Laodicea that was very good for the eyes. That was provided healing to the eyes, but he's telling them it's no good because you can't see spiritually. So get self to anoint your spiritual eyes. And he gives them a rebuke there. And so we see the problem at Laodicea. They're apathetic Christians and they are not living the way that they should. They actually should have an advantage, but it's to their own disadvantage. And the Lord rebukes them for that. And we see that here in uh in, in this last church in Revelation. So the application for us is very simple, that if we want to serve the Lord, we have to continually be after Him. Can't settle just being apathetic. We've got to remember that if we want to serve the Lord, we have to be extreme for His kingdom. And doing so will be effective and pleasing to the Lord. So today, be on your P's and Q's. Pray hard. Read the Word of God hard. Don't give up serving your church. Keep on going and, and, and ministering and evangelizing Keep your word level high in the word of God. Do all your spiritual disciplines. Execute your spiritual disciplines. Resist the enemy when temptation comes. Stay in prayer. These are the things that we can't get away from. And when you do that, your spiritual life will be on top. You'll be on your game. I know today we want everything by grace, 
God has given us everything by grace, but we have to respond to that. There's things that we have to do as a result of keeping our spiritual lives where they belong. That's not being legalistic. That's being wise, and it's being smart, and it's being effective for the kingdom. All right? God bless you. Uh, remember, Letters from Jesus is available on Amazon.com. Go on and leave a rating. Leave a good rating. Tell us you enjoyed the book. All right? We love you so much. Next week on Greek for the Week, we'll be back to our normal studies. Hope you enjoyed this study. Pick up a copy of Letters from Jesus today and may be a blessing to your life. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support us further, you may visit us on the web at lightoftoday.org. God bless and good studying.